Welcome to the Yeshiva Show with Dove and Mo. I'm David Friedman, Fastman Yeshiva High School, class of 2003. And I am Mo Eisenberg, class of 1996. Dove, it is a fantastic day to be here hosting the Yeshiva podcast, isn't it? It's certainly an escape. <laughs> and isn't that all we can ask for? Today's really exciting. We got to get, we got to get this rub on the phone. This is really an exciting time. Yeah, uh, you know, in following with our theme here of kind of changing it up a little bit, today we have a very special guest. Uh, we are having, oh, would you like to say? We are having Rabbi Shmuel Weiss Shlita, who uh, is currently not living in Chicago and is on the East Coast. And retired. Retired from the Yeshiva. Um, someone who I had, believe it or not, Dove, in fifth grade um, as a Rebbe. I did not know that. That's How? Right. Where? Was in Ari Crown. He was in Ari Crown, Crown yep. Rebbe? And then I had him as a math teacher in high school. Um, and were you in calculus, Mo? Uh, no, this was this was not <laughs> that math. My math was just called math. Oh, I see. <laughs> um, and uh, and it was it was an exciting time. It really was. And and there's a very in addition to all these things that Rabbi Weiss is known known for in the Shiva and very well beloved by any student that's ever had him. Um, I don't want to ruin it, but there is something very interesting and historic about Rabbi Weiss that I hope we can bring up uh, that happened uh, a while back. So that's interesting. I'll just give you my perspective. I did not have Rabbi Weiss in uh, grade school, but um, my first encounter with him was freshman year. He was teaching calculus um, and I thought um, I might be smart enough to be in calculus. And I wasn't, <laughs> but, but I attempted to get into the class and I came over to him and I was doing well enough. And I think the rule was you had to get, you know, hundreds on your first three t algebra tests that year, uh, which I did. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'm ready to try out for calculus. And I just remember him giving me two problems, two calculus problems, word problems to go over uh, when I got home and I opened them up and I stared at them for three hours, and, and then I, I realized I was not going to be a <laughs> calculus and, you know, my, person my book, going my, my math book had the answers in the back. <laughs> See, that's that's what we're talking about. All right, so I, I so, quickly learned, but then I also had him as a, I also had him as my sophomore year Rebbe. Oh, very um, nice. And in that case, case, it was the exact opposite. He was teaching the advanced sheer, and I felt absolutely out of my depth, and that I wasn't going to be make, able to hang around. And uh, to his credit. Um, he uh, instilled a lot of confidence and skills in me that uh, I was able to stick around, and I think it was a big, made a big impact in my learning. So I'm very excited to have him on the phone. Uh, assuming this works, this is the first time we've ever tried to this dial somebody This in. might be more exciting than the actual interview. <laughs> we're going to, uh, first of all, we don't even know his number, um, but uh, we're going to try it, unless, unless this was the voicemail I just got. All right, here we go. I, I know how to use a phone. David, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Baruch Hashem. I'm uh, enjoying my retirement over here in Lakewood. And, uh, yeah, 
So I gotta tell you, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just back to being a uh, shoebuckler again. Yeah. How's your family? Thank God, it's good. It's so good to have you. I've got Mo Eisenberg here with us. Too. Hi, Rebbe. How are you? Hey, Mo. How you doing? <laughs> Baruch Hashem. I'm doing amazing. It's so great to hear from you. It's good to hear your voices. Uh, blast from the past, as they say. That, that's right. It's really good to hear from you. You know, Rebbe, we're actually calling you, and we are recording this as we're speaking on uh, for the for the Yeshiva podcast. What we've been doing for the last few episodes is interviewing right. faculty and alumni, and we've uh, w- everybody has asked us, "What about Rabbi Weiss? What about Rabbi Weiss?" And so, um, oh, I see. I wa- I wanted to jump right in if we can. And uh, but, sure. but so so but firstly, before we start, how's Ruby doing in Lakewood? Baruch Hashem, I'm here. I sit basically sit and learn all day. And uh, people think of Lakewood, you know, as this place where there's you know traffic jams and people riding scooters and stuff. Right. I live in one of these um, uh, 55 and up places where the pace is really slow. There's no scooters <laughs> and skateboards. Uh, and you know, but basically, it's people wheeling their garbage cans up and down the street. That's pretty much what it is. It's a like nice oasis over here, and I've had some actually people come visit me. You know, my cousin was here, my Olstein was here, oh, wow. and Reverend Newman was here. So they got to see that you know, Lakewood sometimes has parts that looks almost like Florida a little bit. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I was it's um, awesome. Yeah, you you welcome to come down and join us here too. I mean, thank you. you know, uh, thank no you. Problem. I was I was talking to David about. Um, when I had Rabbi Weiss, and I, I said the first time I had Rabbi Weiss was uh, was in fifth grade. The Rebbe was my That's fifth right. grade Rebbe in Airy Crown. So, so the mm-hmm. first question we had was, how did Rabbi Weiss end up as a fifth grade Rebbe in Airy Crown to be to begin with, or or in, and more generally because this is really about the yeshiva. Well, how did how did the Rebbe uh, end up here at Skokie? Okay, I mean, did the rabbi Zistuk mention to you that I actually have a um, a poem written, sort of to give the overview of my career in Chicago? Did he mention that? No, he did not. Oh, I see. He was going to. I, I read it to him, and he said he was going to mention it to you. You know, so maybe, you know what? So maybe what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off with with my this poem. Beautiful. I write poetry, you know that, for all kinds of wonderful occasions, you know, uh, like graduations and stuff. And uh, and then we'll use that as a springboard towards it, maybe filling in some of the um, the details. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, so you guys ready to roll? Here we go. Okay, the uh, the cadence is sort of uh, a la Dr. Seuss, which is basically <laughs> the level I taught at. Okay. <laughs> That's right. You know, a cat in the hat, you know. the. Uh, okay. Here we go. Okay, we came in 84 into the door of HTC to teach and learn, you see. After one year, it became very clear to move into town and join Ari Crown. For five years teaching Chumash, Gemara, and math, but I couldn't continue on this path. I'd rather teach teens. So to Fastman, I returned to give sheer to Jelly Beans. <laughs> keep writing, keep writing. Take notes with zeal. They might even be useful when you learn in Israel. Real math, not phony. Logarithms with baloney. And Rebbe's favorite player, a man traded from city to city, everyone knows as Eater the X. For a time even principle, be sit in your seat. If you don't, you'll retreat. Don't try to trick me. The worst buy goes your CD. But too much it would seem what with Fred's SWAT team <laughs> and nearly kidnapping Arya and Greg, who hid in the back 
it was time to give it away and take a new tack. The chimney Shabbos was a blast. The memories will last. of schlepping to Rogers Park in the rain and the dark. Through all of the three d- decades, it was a great ride. My Talmidim are remembered with great pride. I'd love to hear from you. Tell me what you do. I have the time. Now that the Geshmak of Torah I am tasting, I'll wait, I'll wait. <laughs> it's your time you are wasting. That is amazing. That is really we're gonna need a copy of that for the to post on our on our website there. That is awesome. How, how long has Rebbe been uh writing poetry? <laughs> I only do it for special occasions. <laughs> I'm not usually a poetry person. But uh, for special occasions, uh, particularly for graduations, I uh, I do write a little poetry and for uh, interviews on podcasts as well. <laughs> All of those. <laughs> so anyway, to go back to your original uh, original yeah. question, I started as a uh, as a mechanic in New York, uh, and that uh, didn't pay the bills. So uh, I wound up coming out here in uh, the summer of 1984. I arrived in the yeshiva on Rosh Chodesh Elul in 1984 as part of what originally was um, a kolel slash teaching position. Uh, Turned out that I was the only member of that full-time kolel teaching position. Um, And I I gave a class, I gave a shear in Tehillim to the seniors, and eventually... And my Tversky split his shear, and I wound up giving a shear for half the year. Um, what happened was that the administration decided to change to an Israeli type of uh, Kolel. Uh, Morgenstern brought in some of the Kolel people. Um, um, most of you probably remember some of them. Robert Bosman being one of them. Right, right. Uh, and uh, basically, uh, since I wasn't Israeli, I, uh, I had to find some other venue. Uh, I contacted, I found out there was an opening in Ari Crown, and um, interesting story is that there was a lot of competition for the fifth grade job. Um, the Rabbi, Rabbi Shapiro asked me, he looked at my credentials and said, can you teach math? I said, yeah, I can. They just lost their math department person. So he said, I'll give you one hour, go to the library, uh, make a math or lesson, and let's see what goes on. Okay, so I went, gave the math lesson, and they decided they had to have me to teach math, and therefore they hired me for the full day. And that's how I wound up at Ari Crown for five years. Wow. Well, where's the um, math background come from? Well, I actually have a, have degrees in both chemistry and mathematics from Brown University. Big deal. Um, <laughs> oh, but the point of me, believe me, it's um, – I do not look at it as being such a, uh, uh, a wonderful uh, experience. Uh, academically, it was, but other way, other other things will uh, fairly liberal place, put it that way. And you know my feeling about liberal places. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, anyway, so uh, though my actual graduate work that I had done was more in the chemistry area, theoretical, I had the math background, and they needed a math teacher, and. I sort of uh, made it up as I went along. I mean, uh, I didn't have an education background, but as I used to tell the teacher, tell the parents, I'm a mathematics mathematician by trade, and I uh, invented, I invented the, the math curriculum. I remember the, my first parents orientation uh, meeting with the eighth grade parents in Ari Crown. I told them, I'll be honest with you, I think the, the curriculum here is terrible. The books are lousy. I want to throw them out and buy new ones, and they gave me a standing ovation. 
<laughs> how do you go so from women. how do you go from a, a, a I'm sorry I'm sticking with this for a second how do you go, go from a, a math and chemistry major to a mechanic in New York well originally I was going on for, to, to do some PhD work and I had to apply to some uh, I'd done some undergraduate already some PhD work some graduate work and I was Applying to grad schools, took my exams and so on and so forth, and then I decided, because I really had never gone to yeshiva my whole life, I said, you know what, it's not now, when will I do it? So I decided to take a year off. It's funny, in those days, you know, the professors were a little more conservative, and they said that, you know, they're both Gentiles, but they both told me, well, that's interesting, going to a rabbinical school for a year, that sounds interesting. So they, I didn't get any, any flack from them. So I wound up going to Nair Israel for basically one year, and then I decided to stay. And I, you know, my uh, my 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 exam scores are too old to use anymore, and I was <laughs> therefore I put it on the shelf. And I decided to uh, to stay in learning, and uh, went into chinuch. I always did have this uh, ability to teach, even as a high school kid. I used to tutor chemistry, so uh, that was. And I decided, you know what? If I'm going into education, I was going to Jewish education, see what I can do, and uh, you know, use my sense of humor and my sense of teaching <laughs> to uh, uh, enhance the education of jelly beans. I remember. I, I I mean, I literally can close my eyes and remember being in Rebbe's fifth grade. I mean, there's a couple of things that I remember um, in Airy Crown when I was there. One of them is third grade with Rebbe Schwartz, and Fifth grade right. with Rebbe is in, and there there are things of Rebbe Ratzik I remember. Fourth grade and Rebbe Levinson in sixth grade, but but there there there's there's um, the the fact that I think when we got to high school and there was you know and we we graduated Airy Crown in ninety two, and right. and when we were freshmen ninety two ninety three and I think I think you Rebbe was already there right in in the show. I was the principal at the time. Right. So to, to go from right there, it was almost like someone who we hasn't we haven't really dealt with in three years um, since fifth grade, and now it was this friendly face. Okay, for me, I had other friendly faces that I knew, obviously, but but for right. our class, yeah, we understand. Yeah. For our <laughs> class to be to be there with a friendly face was was just an unbelievable thing for us. And I know that you know everybody. You mentioned in, in the poem, you mentioned Arya and Greg, and obviously um, those are guys that uh, from my class. But there, you know, there was there was a lot that I think um, you know this indelible indelible impression that Rebbe left on on all of us. That is something that is um, to this day. I mean, I I still say you want to play games, we'll play games to my own children. Right. Um, which is which is your which is, is that right? Is that where I got it from? This I is another uh, Rabbi Whiteism. Yeah, that's a Rabbi Whiteism line. You want to play games? We'll play games. Um, and uh, and so you know, there, there's that. And I think that um, I I have a particular question as it relates to to math. Okay, sure. And I want to know how this came up. Okay, um, I think there's a story behind it. The novelty tie contest. Um, right. The way I remember it. Might be totally different, but the way I remember it was our grades as a class were so bad that you needed some way to bump up the average. So you came up with this concept of if ever whoever wins, whoever brings a novelty tie and wears it during math class, did you know this stuff? Yeah. Gets an additional like five or ten points. That, that's the way I remember. That's the, that was the rumor we had was like, we know we know where Weiss is doing this because our grades are so bad. He needs to bump them up. 
No, well, that's, that's, that's an interesting way of remembering it. Truth of the matter is that generally I used to teach the higher math classes, and that was very serious. Uh, the your um, your band of merry monkeys over there uh, were uh, they were not they're not they're not of the uh, most uh, adept math students. Uh, in order to keep the I would say to keep the interest going. We had, I don't remember, you met, we even Napoli Tavi had Napoli t shirts. Right. And, and actually, pay, uh, Purim Tavi, we also had Purim masks. Right. <laughs> the truth of the matter is that that was taken from a different teacher because Mr. Lighto, if you remember him, I never said that. Right. Um, yeah. He also, I think once in a while, he used to give extra points for wearing a tie in class. Okay. Okay. I mean, I think that it's such an interesting way of educating that I think people, I mean, I've looked at it in my experience um, when I was working in camp or when I was working with, well, now I'm working with NCSY, but I, when I was working with teenagers and trying to find a way to connect with them is you got to, you, you have to keep things interesting. And I think that's such a, right. a, a good point is that here's a bunch of guys who like weren't totally into it and definitely weren't. Not, not to knock anyone that was in that class that, that's listening to this, but definitely wasn't the top math class in, in the Yeshiva. And, and, right. and, and we, were, we, we wanted to, to, to succeed, and Rebbe found a way to keep it, to keep it interesting. And, and I think you, you got the, the same, same token. You got the respect of everybody, which is, um, which is something that's always hard to do. So call Kavod. So, so right. otherwise, we have to realize something that to teach the same thing year after year gets boring. So I have to keep it interesting for myself too. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so I mean, there's been right. a, lot of, a lot of talk about math to this point, but I, I did want to ask Revy, you know, about his his other job as a Revy. Um, you know, you come sure. to the yeshiva. It, it sounds like at some point in the was it the late '80s, um, early '90s, and I came in '84, and again for half a year I did give a shear. Actually, Rabbi Newman was in that shear. Oh wow! Uh, he's from Tom Talmi from uh, from that time. Another one from that is Zev Damsky. As actually was speaking yesterday, two days ago, to Yaakov Mashiach, because Yaakov Mashiach was always to have me seven times as a teacher in eight years. At an all-time, uh, you know, Guinness World Book of, Book of World Records record, seven times for me in eight years. And uh, he's making making a chasana with Zev Damsky. It turns out that they both the Mukhtanim are my my Talmidim. Wow! So wow. Zev was in that original class too in '84. So, so what was the first impression? What do you remember from those early days as a Rebbe at the Yeshiva? Um, again, you, you had a very mixed crowd that, uh, in, in, in Skokie. Uh, you really had to be on your toes to keep the uh, Talmudim focused and interested in the, uh, in the learning. Now, the kids were very bright, but not all of them were very motivated. Uh, in '84, when I used to come in, it took about ten minutes to get them to stop discussing the um, the fridge and the Chicago Bears, right. and once in a while the uh, the Blackhawks as well. And the Bulls weren't very good then then yet. Um, so you had to you know roll with the roll with the punches, and then you know when they were ready to learn, we learned. Um, the, you know the Skokie guys wanted to learn, but they wanted you know they wanted also to be. Uh, have their Mishigatan accepted and uh, dealt with. And uh, the, you know, that I learned early, early on uh, with my earlier classes. Um, the early years in the 90s, I did not teach the higher shear, and uh, that was a different challenge. One year I had 30 fellows in one shear, ranging from a fe- from one person who could actually, should have been a Rabbi Twersi shear, but he was terrified of him, as many were. <laughs> 
And uh, hook, hook the guy in the shear told me, Rebbe, I, I, I can't tell you olive bays and oil. So there was a large shear. Wow. And you had to service a lot of different kids at different levels. So what is what are some of the things that, as a Rebbe, you were trying to impress upon your students? The most important thing was that everybody has a chalik in learning in Torah. It's not the same one. Some guys are, you know, have tremendous heads. Some guys are really interested in the Chumash and the Pashkofa. Um, there was one. There was one Talmud from those years who was all he wanted to do was write a uh, was write a Haggadah. So he spent most of his time collecting Mefarshim on Haggadah. That was his interest. Eventually, he became a Machaber Sfarim later on in, in his career. Um, the idea was that everybody, you know, has a chelik of learning, and we're going to work together, um, and we'll get you there. And if I have to prod you, I have to tell you jokes. If sometimes I have to modify a little bit, sometimes push you, sometimes give you musr. Uh, in one case, actually, I walked out on a class for three days. I don't know if you know this story. No. <laughs> That's just a long time, a class, right? Very large <laughs> class where there was a group of guys who were doing things outside class which were problematic. And I, 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 I stood up and made a statement, and I said, if this is the way my Talmudian behave, I resign. And for three days, I didn't give sheer. Wow. Now, I remember, Moshe, that that, that, that was around <laughs> the time of um, a, a chasana of one of the Talmudian, based Medrash boys, and your father, he should be well. Uh, came to me and said, Rabbi Weiss, I heard that you resigned. I said, yeah, I resigned for as of now. So his reaction was, I have no idea what you're doing. Just do it and don't tell me. <laughs> that was the reaction. <laughs> so after a couple of days, the air was cleared. We went back and Baruch Hashem, a number of members of that class are doing very, very well now. I mean, yeah. uh, they went out to Sarah's Trail and you know, they're doing not doing nicely now. Sometimes you had to do things a little bit differently, and that was one thing I was never afraid to do. I think that 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 confidence that Rebbe had, I think it's something that is also um, something that that the Bachrim who who were in the shear, whether it was math or whether it was uh, in the in the Gemara shear, I think it's something that you know it kind of put us in our place a little bit. And, and I, I don't think I was in that particular class, but the idea of, wow, Rabbi Weiss is like, he's not messing around. Um, you know, it was like, we, we uh, kind of feel like, you know, this is someone who is, who's really has our best interest uh, in mind. And I, I, I don't know anyone that would, would say otherwise. Um, and that is, that is a tremendous, uh, tremendous influence that is a chus that you had. Yeah, and sure. that we I also had. try to make it something there was a certain shtick that this is Rabbi Weiss's shear, you know, particularly in the, in the shear with the notebooks. The notebooks that was that was almost like your badge of being in the shear. Yeah, I know guys still have it many years later. Some of these notebooks that was that was the the big deal. Right, Rabbi Weiss's shear. We did certain things, and this is was a certain status, like being in the you know military group, so to speak. Right, that's right. Um, yeah, Rabbi, I, everyone I, got a certain feeling of stolts of, of status. Whether you're in the high share, the low share, the medium, it made no difference. It's a certain feeling of, you know, being a, a, a team, so to right, speak. Right, a member. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I want to come back for a second to what you said initially about uh, every, you know, imparting to every student that they have a chalik right. learning. Um, you know, I don't know if I was, I was telling Mo this a little bit before uh, we got on the phone with you, but uh, when I was in your shear, so it was, you know, probably 2000 or 2001. It was in the advanced year, sophomore year. And it right. was it was a big jump between kind of the learning curve between the first year 
um, advanced shear and this and and your shear, where suddenly, right. you know, there's a lot more notes on the board and a lot more Eun, a lot more uh, Rishonim that we're going through, and in the first in a matter of the first few weeks and after the first test, I felt completely lost and I really didn't feel like I could stay in the class. I just felt like people in the class were, you know getting it and I mm-hmm. wasn't one of those people and I you know was ready basically to drop out of the shear into another shear and I talked to you about it and what you did and I don't know if you remember this I don't know if you've done it with other people is you essentially told me don't worry about Bakias so much just go to the base matters to Night Seder pick a Chavrusa go learn with him at Night Seder for as long as you need to kind of bring yourself mm-hmm. up to speed into this year and it was you know kind of a revelation to me a eh, that you put the trust in the student um Right. That, a, we would actually go to the base matters and do that, which we ultimately did. But it also just showed me that, you know, teaching isn't just about, um, you know, it's just your way. And if people don't can't follow along, um, you know, they just should move on. I think you impressed upon me the importance of trying to meet people at their level and trying to keep them, you know, in their place. Because I think you, you realize, and I, I certainly over time realized in learning and getting better at it, uh, that I did have a chalik in the class, and I really appreciate that. Right. I mean, that that was that was uh, my goal, and you know, perhaps for someone like myself, it was easier to do that because I didn't come from a from myself from a any kind of a strong background, and I sort of had to find my my way personally when I was in yeshiva. And sometimes when you um, you you know you have to. Uh, walk the road yourself you you get you get a much better map of what's going on out there and the different different direction different ways to get to the to your goal and we we had you know one of the nice things about Rebbe, and then we're gonna we're gonna jump to a different takufa a little bit but one of the cool things is sure. i think that Rebbe was really a Rebbe. i mean it was for me personally and for lots of guys in in my class class in 96 um while you were in Chicago, at least, and I, I assume that there are still people that, that are in touch with, with Rebbe, but while you're in Chicago, I mean, every every Yantif or whenever I would I would see Rebbe, I, mean, I would sit down and ask real questions and get real conversations and real answers. And I think that yeah. the Hadracha you provide is something that's not, I mean, to me, you're my fifth grade Rebbe. And, and it's something that you were, someone that like, um, just, just, Kept, you know, if you're if you're still with me in high school and you're still with me after and you're at my chasana and you're, you know, and, and I see you and, and you're you're able to share in simchas and things like that, then it's it's uh, it, it's a tremendous uh, a tremendous uh, feeling of of you know of, of having someone that's there for you, and and well, um, that's what Rebbe should be though, right? Absolutely, and I, I going to having someone there for you at, with that segue, <laughs> I want to talk about this. Rebbe decides, or someone decides, that Rabbi Weiss and family should be at the yeshiva on Shabbos in 1999. And can you can you tell us? We want to talk about lightning now, okay? We want to talk about that whole February 27, 1999, right. Parshas That's right. There you go, Parshas Zachar, uh, right? A day that will live in infamy. So, so yeah. can can you walk us through how that all? Um, went down and and what exactly because Revy was like the general talked about having a, a team i mean you were the captain of that team um of a ship that you really didn't know what was happening I, i'd love to get into that because there are i remember having the base medrash guys walk to to our house i was i was not married i was a bucker and walked to our house with my father um in their in their pajamas 
and knock on the door uh, 7, 30, well, 8 o'clock the in the morning. knocked on the door, I sent Michael May. Right. That's right. That's right. And that was part, you know why? And, and your father you should be well t- told me the only person, the only Bokhar he would have t- accepted that this was not a shtick <laughs> right. was Michael May. <laughs> right. And that's why I sent them. I said, you were the only one who had enough <laughs> damn mothers. That's Rabbi right. Eisenberg will take it seriously. That's right. That's right. And he comes in his pajamas. And, and, uh, and it, was, it must have been. This it was my sister-in-law's brother, Michael. Right. And yeah. it must have been before we, we, we had left to, to Shul. So it must have been around 7.30, 8, 8.30, something like that. But Yeah, because the lightning strike was about 5.20 in the morning. Yeah. So, so what happened? Wh- wh- where's Rebbe at this, at this point? What's going on? Can you walk us through that? Okay. Well, uh, again, I was the the Shabbos Rebbe that uh, that the Shabbos. I'll tell you, two of my children with me. The other one, some were with yeshiva, some were with friends, whatever. And uh, at that point, um, the uh, parpen for the Shabbos Rebbe was Zorba's older parpen. Remember Zorba? Yeah, sure. Okay, in the back there. Yeah. So that was his older parpen down there. That was the uh, Shabbos Rebbe uh, part. He had just been de- been sent away the year year earlier. That was the department, and um, for some reason, I do not remember to this day, I got up very early in the morning, and I dressed myself. It was probably about 5.15, 5.20 in the morning. Oh, wow. And all of a sudden, this building shook as if a bomb had blown up. Unbelievable. And I hear Mr. Abowitz and uh, also um, uh, um, the assistant over there, you see, screaming, uh, get out, get out, you know, this building's been hit, get out. So the, the, the water pipes were broken, the, the, the uh, electricity was down, the, the gas pipes were down, they were screaming, get out of the building. Um, and uh, there were three people who were dressed at the time, actually. Myself, Rabbi um, uh, Levinson, mm-hmm. And Larry Levinson didn't even know what happened. You know, he was up learning in his apartment at the other end of the building, and he had somebody said, but he, he didn't even hear, hear the, the strike. He heard wow. nothing. You know, he was in a different world. Right. And Ronnie Morganston was there also. So uh, we come out of the building, and it's it's drizzling about 5.25 in the morning on this Shabbos morning. It's drizzling and cold. We looked up, and the entire top part of the chimney had been sheared off. Now, remember, the chimney was 30 feet tall at the time, right. the tallest thing in the area. Originally, there was supposed to be another floor put on the building, but never was built. The chimney was never shortened, and as we found out uh, the night after when the, uh, the structural engineer asked the following question, was there a lightning rod on the chimney? <laughs> no. <laughs> the chimney Why was not? the lightning rod. Right. And why now? This is the best one. Why not? Well, the chimney had been hit a couple of years ago, and nothing happened. <laughs> we figured it, <laughs> I, I, I'm quoting. I'm not saying who I'm quoting. Okay? Right. It, no, it's not your father, by the way. Okay. Motion, somebody else. Okay. Good old case for lessons so, learned. We, we, we figured it couldn't happen again. So he right. looks at him and says, you were wrong. Right. <laughs> right. There were bricks that were, were thrown into Tui Avenue, it, 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 and they found some apparently Birds perched on top of the chimney had been totally, totally fried up up there. Oh totally enough birds for birds up there. It was a disaster. So we had to empty the building. Kids were out with flip flops and with the pajamas and so on and so forth. And it's raining and it's what are we gonna do? So we got we found a, a kid, I forget who it was, on the road to get the key to the Hilotar gym. 
mm-hmm. and we we put everyone in the Hilltower gym, and they're sitting there on mats on the floor and their pajamas and so on. What are we going to do with them? Now, the building is shut because the fire department, police department came and they cordoned off the building with these yellow tape. Though I did have to have, actually, it's interesting. I got a phone call a few weeks ago from Didi Saman. Remember Didi Saman? Sure. Yep. So he uh, he uh, he was a di- diabetic and he had to have had to get the the um, the uh, fire department to go in and get his 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 uh, medications because he needed it. Uh, there was some curly people also with medications there. The curly people were put across the street at the Holiday Inn. Uh-huh. Rabbi uh, uh, able to arrange that apparently. But here we have all, all these bachrim, probably about forty or fifty, sitting in the in the gym. What to do with them? So we decided. I decided, I guess. I mean, nothing much to do with them because we didn't have. You know, the kitchen was, of course, locked down. There's no food. So we made a decision that anybody who was reasonably dressed, <laughs> that sort of stretch, a stretch. Right. Uh, and has a place they think they can go in Rogers Park, was a- allowed to walk to Rogers Park in the rain, in their pajamas, robes, flip-flops, and so on and so forth. Uh, I would say about 80% of the boys actually did walk out. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were just didn't even have shoes and whatever, and they put them in the basements by by Ramzag and by Rabbi Kardash and by Rabbi, Rabbi Newman. They, they stayed in, the, in their basements for that Shabbos. Now, ostensibly, this is the legend, of course. The legend is that Rabbi Weiss memorized every place everyone went to. That's right. I've heard That's that. That's legend. That's right. That's right. true. The truth of the matter is, it's a legend. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because there was no way I was going to memorize it. However, I was very good at faking it. <laughs> so every told me, okay, I want to know the, who you're going to and the address. Now, the truth of the matter is, if you had asked me a few hours later, I probably got maybe half of the right, maybe. But I, but it was enough. <laughs> I convinced them well enough that that they, I, I assumed they went where they had to go. That they figured I could track them down. Right. And uh, and and they walked out. The meanwhile, of course, we the the staff. That's myself and Rabbi Morgenstern and Rabbi Levinson, um, Mr. Abowitz, um, uh um, anyway, um, Kalish was assistant at the time also. So the, some of the women, my wife and Reverend Levinson snuck into the kitchen behind the backs of the uh, police and then the, uh, and the, um, fire department and smuggled the, uh, the cholent and food out. We ate, <laughs> we, we ate in the high school based medrash. Oh, very good. And okay. We, we davened there also with bare, barely with a light. We managed to get some davening done there. And and that's the way that's the way it was until Moti Shabbos. And then the uh, then the, there was a meeting in the Rosh Hashiva's office. Of course, there was no uh, no lighting over there. Uh, that was with the uh, executive board, we might call it, uh, mm-hmm. and the structural engineer. And uh, after that, if you remember correctly, Moshe, we we, were, we went to Kins. Right, right. We went to Kins, and I wound up teaching calculus in a. In a, in a kindergarten room where I had to tell some of the boys to get off the rocking horse. <laughs> well, what was the, I, I was not a bacher at the time there. In 99, I was, I was in base medrash in the yeshiva. Right. Um, but, um, but for a, for a high school kid, what was the, what was the mindset? Cause we have not spoken to high school kids yet who have gone through that, but we know, we know some, but what's the mindset of someone and, and what kind of challenge was there? Besides, I guess there's an obvious challenge. But what was the challenge as the, as 
the re- the Rebbe that was on on call, so to speak, to deal with the bathroom. Was there a sense of panic? Was there a sense of this is like this is amazing? Well, like what what was this? What was the what was the feeling? It was absolute confusion because you don't even know what happens. You can't panic because you really don't know what's going on. You, you don't know what to do yourself. You're standing outside in the rain in your jammies. With no place to sit, no place to go. Basically, you're you know you're looking for someone to give you direction. I mean, I think that the initial the initial uh, reaction was you know let tell me where I should go, what I should do. Um, it didn't. It took took a while for the thing to sink in uh, that there was a uh, uh, this was something that was very serious. At the point, it was it wasn't even re- realized. How close we came to disaster because I had gone up to the third floor. The famous story of uh, Rocky Pickholz, you know, the story of his of the, the crib in the in his um, he was in his room. He, I guess his oldest child was uh, right was a baby then, and he used to sleep uh, in a crib in the in the outer room. And apparently, that was directly below the chimney, and some of the bricks of the chimney fell into the crib. Yeah. Right. What had happened was that the baby earlier in the night had started crying, and they took the baby into their bed. Right. The crib was empty. When they came in, the crib had fallen over, and the bricks had fallen into the crib. Into the crib. Incredible. Now we, we 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 took a look at it, and the the uh, the uh, half a chimney, which still weighed a few tons, uh, that had, was still existing, and actually had collapsed at an angle and was being held by a steel steel beam. Theoretically, if that would have happened, the chimney could have gone all the way into the boiler. Who knows what would have happened then? Wow. So it was a nest guddle that nothing really terrible happened. Wow. That, that I mean, I, I remember that Rocky Pickle story now that you, now that Rebbe mentions it. Um, a lot of, I guess, Nisim that, that, that you can look back on now. And, you know, we kind of maybe, maybe uh, silly, stupidly, but we kind of like laugh about it now, now that it's been like, 20 years plus uh, since it happened but um but to, to put yourself to realize uh, looking back and realizing what could have been and that Baruch Hashem you know there there wasn't anybody I don't think injured from this right nope. I mean it, it was nobody it, nobody right? got injured you know a couple of kids got they were sent home because they were um, a little freaked out I think so they right. were allowed to go home for a while but right. otherwise uh no Baruch Hashem was there were tremendous nisim that happened it could have been much, much, much worse. Yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting hearing some students' perspective on it. But, you know, I, I enjoy hearing uh, Ravi's perspective as kind of the adult in the room at the time when it happened. And uh, right. I'm sure you weren't – sure it's not something you really planned for as a Ravi that that's going to happen. Um, no, that, it, that's part of being, you know, part of being a Ravi, part of being an administrator in a, in a school, particularly when you have a dormitory, you know, or a you have to be ready for all exigencies and all possibilities, and you have to be flexible, uh, jack of all trades, even master of none of them. But that's the point, you know. Sometimes you have to be a great act. One of the great, big, most important attributes is to be a tremendous actor. <laughs> you know, I once, you know, Moshe, I once spoke to, uh, told your your father, should be well. I said, I want you to know, Eisenberg, that Rabbi Weiss is your favorite fictional character. <laughs> What what are some of the challenges you face as a Rebbe at a school, a high school, you know, like the yeshiva? Or really, I I, I don't think the yeshiva is that much different than many yeshivas that's full of boys who are learning, but also, you know, have long days, 
um, teenagers who are learning, you know, subject different subjects, teenage boys who are kind of in necess- you know maybe in a remote place. What are some of the challenges you face as a Rebbe? Well, you have to remember that that Fireswood High School was is, was and still is certainly was far more heterogeneous than the usual tell something like that where the the student body was much much narrower as far as uh, their needs, their backgrounds, their learning abilities. Uh, here, you hear you had a, a gamut of of you know some some who came from you know cities where they had zero background they knew almost nothing and on the other hand you had fellows who were learned very very stark uh, they were very bright and brilliant and uh, you know they were going to go somewhere professionally or learning otherwise so it, the flexibility was the most important i think uh, aspect of being a rebbe being a rebbe there um yeah, the idea was to be able to figure out for each Talmud where he's holding and where he where and what goals he can set for himself. And there are there are people there are people again. I don't want to embarrass you and mention names. There are students who clearly came to the yeshiva with extremely weak backgrounds, and they're still sitting and learning. What are the what are some of the things that you took from your you know nearly thirty years at the yeshiva? Or possibly more, you're the mathematician. I, I don't know. <laughs> what what do I take out from it? Yeah, take away from that experience. Um, you know, I um, I uh, my, uh, somebody recorded the last moves I gave before I retired. Um, so it's probably still somewhere online. I I, I suppose I, I mentioned that a, a number of things that one, you know, you take away. There are three things that you can take away, I said, from this. Number one is uh, that uh, sometimes, and this is obviously mathematically sort of strange, one plus one equals one. And what does it mean by that? So you take two, you know, you take a, 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 a train car and a train car, you hook them up to a train, one plus one is one. When you take individuals and you hook them up to a group, that, that, that this power of the group, the power of the chevra, the power of the, the team is so such that one plus one becomes a greater one. Uh, the idea of taking, you know, and this is certainly true of teenage boys. They love the idea of groups, teams, army, whatever it is. You can put them together and let have them work together as a group. They each they will they will rise together. They each one will help each other. It's not just Rebbe dictating. It's, you know, I'm the coach of the team, so to speak. Um, uh, or the the the, sar- the the master sergeant, and they're the troops, and we're working together. The second thing I said is that uh, I mentioned there is actually a place in the Bering Strait between Alaska and Russia where if you, you can stand in a boat and see tomorrow and yesterday at the same time <laughs> because of the time zone difference. So you have to be able to look forward and backwards. You have to be able to take your experiences from the past and project them into the future. Uh, if one is going to just look at the present, you're going to be, uh, it'll be very stale and you will get to go nowhere. So you have to be able to look simultaneously at the past, the future, in order to move things to the present. And the third thing, as you mentioned, certainly as uh, one could see from the uh, chimney, is that, you know, Hashem runs the world. Don't think you run the world, you do your best. Ultimately, this, you need to see after the Shmaya to get anything done. 
Uh, and you have to tell that, let the kids know that also, that you know, as much as you have to put your hard work in and you put your goals, ultimately one has to, uh, needs to get to the Shmaya to, to get anywhere in, in this world. Of course, you know, you guys are much older now. And you, through, through your life, you've seen that. Uh, teenage, teenage boys don't uh, have experienced enough life to know that yet. Right. I, I, I want to just, I, I, you know, I know we've been talking for about 45 minutes, and I, I just want to thank Rabbi for, for giving the time. This has been um, incredibly... Um, it was a quick uh, forty-five minutes, uh, right? Incredible, but it also inc- incredibly inspiring, and it, it gives us you know, a lot of chizuk. Um, and I, I know that there are, believe it or not, a lot of people who are listening listening to this podcast, and a lot of people who asked um, when are you going to get Rabbi Weiss on the on the uh, on the podcast. And I think that these are lessons that, uh, if anyone listening has that schmooze that ha- that tape that schmooze, sounds please, amazing. L- 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 it sounds amazing. I'd love to get it. But those those are three lessons that I think kind of sums up. Also, uh, uh, Rebbe's philosophy, I mean, I, you know, just going back from fifth grade and in high school, and whether it was math or whether it was Gemara, whether it was Chumash, whether it was as a Rebbe who, who just was someone that was there, um, that, that Bachram, whether or not they were in the Shir, not in the Shir, could, could go to and talk to, um, I, I, I think, I can't state it enough, and I think Dove would agree with me, how, how appreciated um, Rebbe, Rebbe was and is. Um, in the lives of all of his Talmudim. So, so I wanted to thank you, especially for, for making the time. I know that it's uh, an hour later by, <laughs> by you. Um, and uh, to make the time and to really share um, these memories and to, uh, you know, to, to really continue to be willing to stay in touch, even when you opened, the, opened up the conversation with saying, you know, you're, you're invited to come over, you're invited to, to stay in touch, and, and I think people will. So I, I really, we both really appreciate it. On behalf of, of all the students that Rebbe's ever had, we really appreciate you giving the time. Thank you so much. Well, you know, it's Rosh Hashem. I had, I had great colleagues, too. You know, so it's, it's, it's a team effort, and uh, I, you know, I, I kudos to my colleagues as well and the administrators as well. It's a... Uh, yeah, I, I, one other thing, uh, you know, I was speaking to some of the old, older tall medium that they, it was less of education. It was the, the experience of being in, in Fasmanishvi High School. Um, I think Pechads, they say, was it was a wonderful experience and something they treasure forever. Absolutely. Wonderful. Rabbi Weiss, thank you so much. Thank you for, uh, I, I'm so a pleasure speaking to, to uh, touch base with you guys. As I said it in, in my uh, little poetry over here, you know, keep in touch. I'm, I'm here. I don't go very far. I don't go to Florida. I don't go anywhere else. Now I have your correct number, and, so watch uh, out. You know, what? Now I have your correct cell phone number, so we will. Well, this is not my cell. This is my. You have to remember, I I I do not use my cell phone. Right. <laughs> I, I am I, I am the 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 the, the when it comes to technology. Let me tell you a story. I'll tell you. I'll finish with the story, Moshe. You'll teach you the story. Yeah. Your you know father used to be well. You know he loved. Computers is his thing, and he right. wanted to introduce computers into. So this goes back all oh, about 15, 15 or so years. He decided he's going to introduce um, computers to the to the Hebrew staff, to the Hebrew core staff. We're going to, we're going to do um, uh, certain things with computers, uh, attendance, so on and so forth. He knew that I knew nothing about computers, <laughs> zero. So we're going to have a workshop. So he's, he's, he's sitting us in front of all the monitors. And he realized I wouldn't even know how to turn it on. Nothing. So your father, he well, comes over and monitor. He starts, you know, typing in something. The thing crashes. <laughs> okay. Who's it to the next one? 
type something in, it crashes again. Your father said, okay, my wife, I get it. You don't like them, they don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I haven't gotten any better since then. <laughs> All right, well, that just right, about guys. does it. Have a great week, Rabbi Weiss. Have a great, 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 great talking to you. Be well, best, best to all your families, and best to all the guys. Will do, absolutely. Will do. Take care. Call too. take care. I gotta tell you though, to have to have Rabbi Weiss uh, on, um, it's just I, my, you see me, we're both we're both smiling. I mean, it's it brings back a lot of really great memories, and it's it's someone who we really appreciate as a Rebbe, someone that we really we really you know, no matter how you had him, it was even if he was just someone who was around as a fixture in, in Skokie, he's just someone that you appreciated being able to talk to. Yeah, he's just he's such a smart guy right <laughs> it really comes through it came through then that you know he was at a different level intellectually um and that doesn't mean you always agree with everything your rebbe says or or does but i mean he just comes through as a genuinely caring and smart rebbe someone with a perspective someone with a philosophy and um it's really it's really what i was hoping to hear and what i remembered right and it just came through and i, I was very cool yeah this was a good one this was a good one so kudos on doing it. Rabbi Weiss, we thank you. If you have any memories of Rabbi Weiss and you want to send it to us, um, you can email it to us or you can uh, put it on our Instagram and uh, we'll be happy to post it once we post the show. And hey, you've heard Rabbi Weiss's uh, his stories about the, uh, or his memories about the lightning. I know people out there have their own memories. Please send us over your memories. Send us a voice note so we can put that episode together. Uh, if you were there in that time frame in 1999, February 27th, 1999, have any memories of people knocking on your door or knocking on people's door or being in the gym or eating cholent with Rabbi Weiss in the high school basement, <laughs> right, or whatever right. you remember, send us those memories. And also, if you were around in the old days of Vietnam, send us your memories for that. Uh, and, and eating cholent in Vietnam would also be a, a good memory. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you if, know, you, if you somehow you know. did that. <laughs> right, right. Um, cholent. And Vietnam so sounds like a Feldheim book. <laughs> <laughs> Dove, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to doing the next one with you. Yep, absolutely. Tell Thank us, everyone, how we can get on one more time in the email address. Yeah, that's right. You can uh, email us your memories and your thoughts to theyeshivashow at gmail.com. That's theyeshivashow at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and at, on Twitter at theyeshivashow.com. More interesting stuff up there, hopefully some pictures and things as we go along. Um, and, uh, you know, find us and get in touch. We hope to hear from you. Awesome. Take Thanks it easy. All. We'll see you next time. Take care.